So today is uh, Pentecost. Pentecost is the day that the Holy Spirit uh, came upon uh, the apostles. And from there, that really began their ministry um, after the life of Jesus. Now, the Spirit was what brought them really together. Human beings, I think we have a deep down innate desire for unity. We become inspired when we see examples of sacrifice, of tireless service, and people coming together. So when this pandemic first began, the motto was, we're all in this together. The spirit of togetherness was really high. We were willing to endure discomfort, inconvenience, and even hardship for that greater good. But as time has gone on, the forces of self-centeredness and division have crept in. At this moment, I see these forces of division running sometimes stronger than the forces of unity. And people are tired of staying inside, so they start to flock together with friends. Others who are trying to adhere to guidelines see that and get upset and quickly point fingers and characterize those people. And that's what happened last weekend, right? When people flocked to Trinity Bellwoods Park. And as we speak, and as Michelle prayed, south of the border, you know, cities are literally on fire. Pent-up anger has been spilling out into violence. Those in power focus on that violence and look for people to blame instead of looking at the roots of that anger. My needs become more important than yours. It's you versus me. They versus us. So when this force is given breath, it can overpower and take over the force that seeks unity. St. Paul was very aware of this dynamic. He used language of his own time and context to express it, but he captures the dynamic very well. This is what he said. For I delight in the law of God in my innermost self, But I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Which of our members are winning the war right now? We have people trying to maintain unity, but we also have other leaders, powerful leaders, exploiting the chaos and fanning the flames of division to maintain their grip on power. St. Paul said this too. Each builder must choose with care how to build on the foundation. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. These times to me feel like the day that St. Paul was referring to. The kinds of lives we've built is becoming clear. The kind of world we've built is becoming clear. COVID-19 is the fire that has tested and revealed the work that we have done in our society. When over 80% of the deaths that have taken place in Canada are in long-care homes, then we know that we've done a poor job in taking care of our most vulnerable elderly. When deaths in the U.S. are disproportionately, exponentially borne by Black and Latino people, 
then you know how the country has treated its racial minorities. I mean, when in Canada, we don't even know exactly who's been suffering the most because we lack the data, we don't collect the data. Then we know that Canada prefers to be blind to its issues instead of exposing cracks in our myth as a nice and generous country. What kind of world have we built? What kind of world are we building right now? Each of our work will be revealed with fire and it will disclose what we have built. Have we been too passive and blind bystanders to what goes on around us, to the suffering of the most vulnerable in our midst? The proclamation of our Christian faith is that we are people of the Spirit. Our church mission statement, as Michelle pointed out in the prayer, includes the point that we are a spiritual community. What does that mean? St. Paul describes it as this. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God so that we may understand the gifts bestowed upon us by God. Those of us who live in the Spirit, those who are spiritual, receive and understand the gifts bestowed upon us by God. The gifts that the Spirit gives us. Today's passage reveals the purpose of these gifts in chapter 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You know, there are varieties of gifts that St. Paul talks about, right? Varieties of service, all according to the unique people that we are. A different manifestation of the Spirit. But it's that same Spirit that activates these gifts in us for the common good, for the well-being of others. So in other words... Our lives, when our lives are activated by the Spirit, are meant to bless and serve others, to make the lives around us richer, better, and more complete, more just, more whole. Has the Spirit activated your life and gifts to be such a blessing? We need to seriously ask ourselves this question today. For what purpose is my life serving? Our gifts have been given to us for the common good. I mean, like, but what is the common good? And who decides what the common good is? Is the common good merely to take care of my own family and those close to me, the people of my inner circle? Is that what it is? Is that where it ends? I believe that the answer that God would give us lies in these words as well of St. Paul. Let us listen closely. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior members, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. 
the true sign of spiritual people, those who live in the Spirit, is how well we take care of our weakest members. So whether that be in our families, our social circles, our communities, our society, and in this world, that is the barometer of our spirituality as individuals, as a community, and as a society. Our gifts are to be used to lift up the weakest among us. And St. Paul articulated the greatest of these gifts that the Spirit gives us, which is the gift of love. He is how, how, here's how he articulates it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How beautifully that was written. If we are spiritual people, we have this gift of love. If we have this gift of love, then we are spiritual people. I mean, if we have this gift of love, the world would be such a better place. So how do we become spiritual people where the gift of love is activated in us, where we take care of our weakest members? I mean, ultimately, it is God who makes us spiritual people. It is the Spirit of God that changes us, transforms us, and instills us in us God's own grace. And so we are not in control of that. In Friday Bible study, we've really been learning that. It's God who makes that grow. But there are things that we can do to invite God's Spirit into us, to enact that change in us. There is an individual component and a communal component, and they are highly interconnected. It first begins with our thinking, and that's what Reverend Kim preached about last week, where we set our minds. St. Paul once again says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Where do you set your mind on on a regular basis? Setting our minds on the things of the Spirit is a spiritual discipline. Every day, setting our minds on things of the Spirit through prayer, reading and meditation and study of the Bible, hearing the Word of God, practicing it. It involves meditating on what love is, honest self-reflection, uh, understanding what's fueling and driving us. So there is a deep inner journey that is required to become spiritual people. But I also realize that this inner journey can never take place alone. So as you've heard, uh, we began a Friday Bible study series once the pandemic began over Zoom on the Gospel of Mark. 
And part of this Bible study involves people sharing their thoughts on the passage that we're about to study. So people write by email and whatnot. And reading these reflections and listening to the discussions that take place made me realize some things. I could see actually a great spiritual maturity in uh, these members. Now, this maturity uh, takes shape in the form of real honesty, just honesty about themselves, their lives, where they're at, and who they are. You know, there's no uh, pretense in hiding behind the veneer of religiosity, but rather there's a sincere honesty and curiosity. You know, in many of our members at St. Timothy, it's often hard to detect like an outward spiritual fervency. So if you just looked at us during worship, for example, I don't know, we might say we're not very spiritual, right? There, there's not much like outer emotiveness. But uh, so sometimes it doesn't seem like there's much spiritual strength. But in people's authentic honesty, I see true spiritual strength. And as I thought about it, I realized this. This spiritual maturity hasn't come from nowhere. It's come from consistent engagement in the life of this spiritual community. Week after week, month after month, year after year, and even decade after decade. They have been at this church absorbing the sermons, the Bible studies, retreats, lectures, and all these things of the Spirit. So without them even realizing it or seeing it, I can see how people who have been here for a long time have been shaped by the Spirit to become more spiritual people. Their consistent commitment to the church has been a deep and integral part of their own spiritual journey, and I see how it's shaped them. You know, I, when I was younger, I never really liked it when people say, oh, you have to go to church. You know, it sounded so legalistic and religiously rigid. I just didn't like that. You know? But there's something I realized. We can only continually set our minds on things of the Spirit with a community that sets its mind on the things of the Spirit. This community is the church, the living body of Christ. The beauty of the church is that it's comprised of very broken, compromised people. We come into the church solely and only because of God's grace. That grace that cloaks us and brings us in. In the church, though, we practice life in the Spirit. I mean, as broken people, we bring all of our pettiness, our self-interest, our jealousies. You know, the more we engage with people, the more conflict we get into one another. But as we seek the things of the Spirit, we learn about God's forgiveness and God's love. Through Scripture, we learn more about ourselves and who I really am in my nature. And we come to recognize, oh, I need to change. And then that change, slowly, we see it coming through God's grace. As we learn about that grace, we learn about forgiveness. So in short, the church is a taste of that alternative spirit-filled life that God wills for this world. The church is our laboratory to practice the spirit-given love 
where we take care of our weaker members, where we practice compassion and justice. Unlike our own circles of friends where we get to choose, right, who we're friends with. But in church, we don't choose who our members are. We simply come as a community called by God's grace, learning to accept one another, forgive, and embrace those who might be very different from us. When we learn to live that spirit-filled life in the church, we can live like that out in the world and in that way be a light to the world. We need unity in this world, but not a unity that's brought on by power, not a unity that silences dissent in the name of order, but a unity that is brought on by the Spirit who activates the gift of love in us for the common good. We need this Spirit-activated love in our world more than ever, don't you think? Let us commit to walking this spirit-led life together. It's a very challenging context for that today because we live in a culture where we do what we feel like in the moment. If I feel like going today, I'll go. If I don't, I won't. Setting our minds on the things of the spirit requires a continuous discipline, commitment, and a continuous deep engagement in the life of the community. So to the parents, you know, of our young children, to our young adults, to our college students, to our high school students, to all of us, let us all learn this discipline and commitment of actively engaging with this community, not just being passive bystanders of really coming ready to worship every week and engage with what is being preached and said, even when we don't feel like it. I mean, it's hard work sometimes, I know, to show up when you don't feel like it. But let's make engaging in worship in this community with one another a part of our life's rhythm. And then God will do the rest. May God's Spirit be alive in all of us and activate the gifts of the Spirit to bring about more peace and unity in our world today. Amen.